The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion by the Reverend Chuck Tedrick, Dean of Students at Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this chapel message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. Well, good morning, friends. I'm delighted that you are able to join us this morning as we continue looking at our series on prayers, not so much praying, but different prayers throughout Scripture. And this morning, I wanted to look at Mary's. Uh, last week, we had Brother Jonathan Morse here from the OPC, and he had opened up for us God's Word as it related to Hannah's prayer. And really, he noted that that one was pointing forward, in some sense, to Mary's as well. And so I thought it'd be uh, fruitful and lovely for us to be able to look at Sister Mary, Mother Mary's prayer, if you will, a song of praise as well. You know, between the Old Testaments and the New Testaments, there are about 400 years of silence. And then there's a cacophony of announcements that shatter the silence. Announcements to Zechariah, announcements to Mary, announcements to Joseph, announcements to the shepherds. Never has there been so much going on at one point in redemptive history with all of these revelations. It's really happening so that we don't miss it, so that we know what's going on. The era of fulfillment is coming. The songs, uh, the season is filled with songs and praise and prayers. And hear from Mary. And Luke, of course, is writing his gospel with a, a purpose. He's writing so that we may know and so that we may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught us about Jesus. And so I'd like to read Luke's account of the announcement to, to Mary and Mary's response of praise and prayer and song and worship. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, we hear these words. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who has called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then skip down to verse 46. And it said, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. 
For behold, from now on, generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So far, the reading of God's holy word. I'd just like to meditate upon three things this morning. First, Mary's situation. Second, Mary's son. And third, Mary's song. Mary's situation, Mary's son, and Mary's song. First, Mary's situation. The angel Gabriel is really a messenger from the Lord, sent from God, specifically our text says, to deliver a message to Mary. And we know that this is a historical and theological narrative. It's got real people, real places, real events. It doesn't start off and say, once upon a time in a land far, far away, or once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, but a decree from Caesar Augustus in the first year of the registration of Quirinius, in the sixth month, sent to a city of Galilee, to Nazareth, sent to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, her name is Mary. I'm guessing there's only one person in all of Galilee that day who would fit that description. (laughs) Six month, city of Galilee, to a virgin, betrothed to a man of Joseph, house of David, and whose name is Mary. This is historical events that we're talking about, real places, real people. And the greeting that was sent to her was saying, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you points to Mary's special role in salvation history and is similar to numerous significant redemptive historical acts in which God announced himself along similar lines. He said similar things to Isaac and to Jacob and to Moses and to Gideon and to Jeremiah. And beloved, he said it to Paul and he says it to us. He says it to his people, to his church, I am with you which is a promise of presence, a promise of protection, a promise of peace, a promise of action for us and with us. He says, he calls her favored one. And he says, you have found favor with the Lord. The favor is granted here without any hint of request on Mary's part. It's freely bestowed by the Lord. The word that's used here is actually a key term that's used by Luke in both Luke and Acts for what God does for his people out of his good pleasure, out of his goodness, out of his kindness, out of his graciousness, out of his mercy. And note that Mary here is the recipient of God's grace, not the bestower of it. She is the recipient of God's favor, the recipient of God's grace. Mary is really a picture of all who receive God's grace on the basis of his kindness and on his love and on the basis of his gracious initiative. And the angel says to her, do not be afraid. Can you even imagine an angel just appearing all of a sudden? I submit to you, most of us would be freaked out. It's not how Hallmark paints it, right? All of the Hallmark pictures show everyone kind of calm in the presence of an angel. 
But almost every time an angel or the Lord appears in Scripture, the first thing they have to say is, fear not. Here's a young woman who doesn't think she has child, is with child, and now she's being greeted by the Lord through an angel and told that she is with child. Can you even imagine what must be going through her mind at the time? But the message is, fear not. Fear not, the Lord is with you, and you will bear a son. More on the identity of the son in a moment, but Mary asks a question. How will this be since I am a virgin? Mary understood how these things worked. She wasn't some backwater person who had no idea how this works. She's understandably confused. And she doesn't doubt the word of the Lord, but wonders how this can be. It's a fair question. She's puzzled. She knows that she is a virgin. Other births in Scripture were unusual. Others were unlikely. Others were incomprehensible. A 90-year-old woman. But this one's impossible. A virgin. How will this be? And the angel is bringing good news of tidings and of great joy, and he elaborates to comfort Mary in her question, to lead her to even deeper faith and greater understanding. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, for nothing will be impossible with God. In other words, the answer to Mary's question is direct divine involvement is the answer. How can these things be? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is the agent in creation. The Holy Spirit who created or or breathed breath and life into human beings to begin with. And the Holy Spirit who is responsible for our regeneration and our recreation in Christ from the Father as well. That's how the Holy Spirit is responsible for the first humans and is responsible here for the new humanity that's coming about in Christ. And that phrase, nothing will be impossible with God, would have sent off bells in Mary's head. As someone who's familiar with the scriptures, as someone who's familiar with the work of the Lord throughout redemptive history, most significantly, certainly, it would have sent off a bell in her head that this is what happened to Sister Sarah. Generations before me, and an unlikely birth as well. When Abraham and Sarah laughed, and Genesis says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Nothing is impossible for the Lord. How will this be? The Lord is going to act. And notice here that Mother Mary, Sister Mary, identifies herself as a servant of the Lord. She said, let it be to me according to your word. Ah, would that we would have that response more often when we hear the Lord's word and follow what she says as well. Mary responds in gratefulness and in thankfulness and in obedience. The cost of discipleship for Mary is going to be huge. Her life will not be easy. There's going to be no room for her at an inn to have her baby. She's going to end up having to flee to another country because of actual physical persecution and pursuing her and wanting to kill children. She will be confused. She will be mocked. She will watch her son suffer. She will watch her son die. Imagine the difficulty and the challenge of being a mother 
who loves your son and watching your son being executed and knowing that your son is even being executed unjustly or unrighteously. And she will also see her son rise again. It's amazing to think about the life of Mary. Can you imagine being the mother of the Son of God? Can you imagine the responsibility of parenting and raising Jesus? Imagine being at the foot of the cross and seeing your son dying and one of his last words were, woman, behold your son, and John, behold your mother. Here he is, more than just a son loving his mother in that situation, he's actually her savior dying for her to pay for her sins and to pay for all of the sins who call on the name of Jesus and to start and unite a new humanity of male and female, slave and free, barbarian and Scythian, Jew and Gentile, all together one in a new humanity. Mary believed the God of promises and Mary believed the promises of God. That's Mary's situation. What about Mary's son? This is really a divine birth announcement, isn't it? Where God himself is announcing the birth of his son over and over throughout the Gospels. The sentence in, um, in Luke even builds. It says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with your God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. Which means Savior. Matthew specifically says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Sin is what separates us from God, and sin is what disqualified any previous king from ruling over the kingdom forever, and sinners are exactly the kind of people that Jesus came to save. And so Luke is heaping up all of these great themes that are going to be unpacked in the gospel of Luke. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. This is the promised seed, the Son, the Messiah. It's the time of fulfillment. All of these things are in, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, are pointing to this moment, to this child being born. What child is this? What son is this that Mary is going to give birth to? the one promised long ago. Luke is going to go on in chapter 3 to unpack a genealogy that ends with the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. The genealogy is a promised fulfillment. It's not an empty list of names, but a promise from generation to generation. The list includes males and females, Jews and Gentiles, those inside the covenant community, those outside the community, all of them sinners, all of them need a Savior, all of them looking forward to and believing that the Savior would come, and here he is. What child is this? What son is this? The rightful heir to the throne of David, the promised Messiah, the promised seed to Adam and Eve, the one who would crush the head of the serpent, the, li- the lamb who was going to be slain, the lion from the tribe of Judah. So then finally we hear Mary's song, her response, her praise, her prayer. What do you say when you hear good news? How do you respond when you hear good news? The angels rejoiced at the announcement of our salvation. 
when it was announced to them. They rejoiced that God was coming to save us. They didn't need to be saved. We did. And when they heard the good news of our salvation, the angels rejoiced and praised. Heaven's reaction to the testimony of Jesus' birth is to praise, says Dennis Johnson. They're not bored. They're not indifferent. It's not ho-hum to the announcement of the good news, but to praise. And here, this is what Mother Mary and Sister Mary does. Mary magnifies the Lord. This passage is called the Magnificat. It means the Lord glorif- or glorifies, to glorify. And some people ask kind of condescendingly, could a poor 13-year-old Jewish girl really compose so rich a song of praise? And I submit to you, she's not just a poor Jewish girl, but she is a well-instructed, well-taught Jewish woman. And that there are rich parallels here from the Psalter. Expressions of praise that she would have heard and rehearsed throughout her entire life. It's a powerful expression of faith in light of God's revelation, in light of God's word, in light of God's promises that she would have heard and rehearsed her whole life. She may even been reflecting upon Hannah's prayer that you heard last week from Brother Morsh. Hannah said, My heart exalts in the Lord. I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. Mary steeped in these. Mary heard these. Mary knew these. Mary believed. Mary was looking for and hoping for and longing for the coming of the Messiah as well. Amazingly, it's going to be her own son. Mary magnifies, magnifies, praises, and glorifies the Lord for her salvation, but also for the salvation of others. First, we note that Mary praises the Lord for saving her. Listen to the personal nature of it. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 46 and 47. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Echoes of Psalm 24, Psalm 25, Micah 7, Habakkuk 3. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant, He's looked and he's acted in mercy and in kindness to come and to save. Note how she also says, Behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. From now on. From now on is an important theme in Luke because something's changed. There's a new sheriff in town. The king has come. The son has come. The child has come. The Lord has come. Ah, something's different. From now on, a different era of redemptive history, different covenant, era of fulfillment of all the promises. Mary's blessed. Why? Because of her piety? Because of her purity? According to her confession, she says that she is blessed because he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Mary's turning her attention away from herself. Indeed, she is blessed, but why? Because he is mighty. Because he has done great things for me and holy is his name. What a wonderful testimony. What a wonderful evangelist. What a wonderful proclamation. 
It's radical that the child in her womb, the child that she will nurse at her breast, the child that she will nurture and care for will be the one to deliver her and her people and all who call upon the name of the Lord from sin, from Satan, and from death. And so Mary praises the Lord for her salvation, but finally let's notice that Mary praises and magnifies the Lord for his mercy to others. In verse 50, he says, His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And then, as I mentioned, Luke's going to go on and list a genealogy that has males and females, Jews and Gentiles. Anyone. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The mercy is for all of those who fear him, for all of those who call out upon him. He has shown strength with his arm. It's not abstract praise. But the God acting in human history, then Mary was familiar with everything that had happened in redemptive history up to that point. The creation, the images of Exodus, the language of the Psalms, David and Goliath, Jericho, all of it. He's shown himself mighty. He's shown himself powerful to save. Very specifically, Mary notes God's faithfulness in his covenant of grace. Mary gets it. Look at verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our father, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. The reason and reliance for the hope is because of the mercy of God. Mary's not appealing to her worth. She's appealing to the unilateral, irrevocable, glorious promise of God to Abraham. I will be your God, and you will be my people, and this is for you and for your children. I will bless you and be your God, and all nations will be blessed through you. Friends, Mary is blessed, and we should highly esteem her and revere her as the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Son of God. She is a woman of faith. She's part of the cloud of witnesses testifying to us to the person and work of Christ. She is a sister, but Mary is not to be worshipped or venerated or prayed to. She is not a co-redeemer, and I submit to you that Mary would be horrified at the very thought of this. This whole song is exalting her Lord and her God and what he has done for her and what he has done for you and what he has done for me. Mary's own testimony points us to the wonders and the work and the grace and the might and the power and the holiness of Jesus Christ. Mary is magnifying the Lord for the fulfillment of all the hopes of Israel up to that point, here and now, coming to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. It's not a list of timeless ideals. It's not something that we all believe as human beings just told in different ways. It's breaking news. It's a story to you. A child has been born in the city of David, and his name shall be called Jesus. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Beloved, what God did for Mary, looking to her and her lowly estate and blessing her and granting favor to her is what God does to all those who call upon his name in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great story. We thank you for the story of your salvation, of your mercy, of your kindness, of your favor. 
To all generations, you have remained faithful when we have been faithless. We thank you for Sister Mary. We thank you for this prayer that we have recorded, this song that we have recorded in Scripture for us of her response to your grace and to your mercy and to your presence and to your saving work. We thank you that you are not only Mary's Savior, but that you are our Savior as well. And Father, we recognize that we would not be your children apart from your mercy in Christ through your Holy Spirit. And may we, as we study to learn more about your word and to share your word broadly and liberally with others, may we do that with that same humility and that same grace and that same tenderness and that same wisdom that Mary does as well. May we not just emulate and get the message right, but may we also emulate that same method as part of, new, part of the new creation in Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.